Hello, everybody. Before we start today's show, I want to remind you of our headline sponsor, Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, most of that coming from sweat and expelling vapors. Uh, When you wake up in the morning, most people grab the cup of coffee. And what you don't realize is that you're already dehydrated when you wake up from losing that, you know, pound to a pound and a half of water. Uh, By grabbing that coffee, you know, we get a little more dehydrated and then that starts your day. Um, Morning Routine was a proprietary product created to stop that trend. And it was really to help you get rehydrated first thing in the morning. Uh, Jake, who is the CEO and founder of Routine, created this morning uh, routine concoction on his own. And he was combining... Uh, apple cider vinegar, like the the uh, the actual like juice. He was putting in um, a half an organic lemon. He was putting in a little dash of sea salt and mixing it all up and drinking it first thing in the morning. And so what he did was he came up with a product that has all that in a single serve ready to drink packet. You take one of these packets, tear it open, dump it into a, you know, dump it into like 20 ounces of a shaker bottle first thing in the morning. And I drink it. It contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. So you start your day with a little hydration, and it honestly kickstarts my metabolism first thing in the morning. Uh, If you're interested in Morning Routine or any of their other products, you can head over to yourroutine.com and use code SHANEWHITE30. That'll get you 30% off your first order. I've also added uh, yourroutine.com to the show notes, uh, so you guys can just click on that and try out their new products. All right, everybody, today's episode is with David Melman of Omics. This is a little bit different of a podcast for me. Uh, Omics is a software, but it's still based around the health and wellness space. Uh, David and his team came up with the the app, the, the concept um, and it's, it, it's really considered your second brain for nutrition and he'll get all into that. Um, and it came out of a lot of the frustration that you kind of hear me talk through in this episode, um, of, of having all these devices around you, whether it's an Apple watch or a whoop as, as I love to use, um, and then tracking, you know, your dietary consumption. So, you know, whether it's my fitness pal or any of these apps that are available to track calories or track macros, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, Omics, like I said, is, is built to be your second brain. So they're in the beta phase right now. I'm going to add the link to get you guys, if you're interested, to the front of the waiting list to try out the beta. Uh, we recorded this about a week ago. I have been testing the beta on and off for about a week and really enjoy it. Uh, it's definitely you know still in the beta phase, but there's lots of great features. And it's really designed um, to change the way you think about tracking your macros. At a, at a high level, the Omics Vision uh, was started to radically increase people's health span, which is the portion of life during which a person is in good health by developing frameworks for a functional lifestyle. We get all into it. This was a fantastic episode. Honestly, one of my favorites. Uh, really enjoyed getting to talk to David and I'm really enjoying what they're what they're building with uh, either the beta test that I'm a part of. And uh, thank you, David, for taking the time. So without further ado, give it up for David Melman. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am here today with David Melman, 
of Omix. Uh, very excited to have David on the podcast today. This is going to be a little bit different as far as uh, the product we're talking about. So David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate you having me. 100%. Thanks for taking the time. Um, would you mind giving everyone just a little bit of background on you, just high level, and then what we're talking about today? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I grew up in New York City. Um, I spent my whole life there until um, the world changed with the COVID-19 pandemic uh-huh. um, and never thought I would leave. And and so I spent 37 and change years there. And in the year and a half, roughly since then, we've lived in four states. Um, so oh, wow. bounced around quite a bit. Yeah, we did Massachusetts, Connecticut, and then we were in Los Angeles and now we're living in Miami. Um, so bounced around a lot after not bouncing around at all. Um, I came back to New York immediately after college, literally the day I graduated. I couldn't get back to New York fast enough. And where Um, in New York? I grew up in Manhattan. I'm actually a third generation Manhattan or Manhattanite. Oh, wow. Very cool. Uh, yeah, which is which is pretty rare. My my mother is never is is in her 70s now and has never had a permanent address not on the island of Manhattan in her life. Whoa. no driver's license, nothing. <laughs> that's crazy. Not to cut you off. I always think it's interesting. I've, I've only met a few people who like legitimately grew up in Manhattan and I've been there a few times. I ran the New York City Marathon, like love New York. Um, I, I don't know. It has to be so, that has to be such a wild place to grow up. I mean, I say that because I grew up in Indiana, right? Like, so I'm yeah. like, it couldn't be more night and day. I guess if it's what you grew get, up with, it's what you, it's what you, uh, it's what that's you what, know though. That's my answer. People are like, what is it like growing up in New York City? I'm like, what is it like growing up in Indiana? You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I have no, I have no comparative, Fair. you know, ability there. So yes, I guess objectively we grow up fast and we're exposed to a lot at a very young age. I think it's um, philosophically great because you, there's no time in your life where you have um, no real issues of responsibility than than your childhood so getting all of that crazy stuff out of your system at a young age is is great um for, sure. for most people um i also feel like it just prepares you for life really well it's, it's a very worldly place you interact with all different types of people you're in all different types of situations um and, and it's just you know i i wouldn't change it for the world. Like I said, I never thought I would leave. And and we have a 19 month old son now and he's growing up in Miami, which is not a place that (laughs) I would have imagined. Um, I I had visions of my son being a little mini me. Um, But you know, the, the, the world changes and and you react. So yeah, I, I came right back after school um, and went straight to wall street. Uh, and I worked uh, doing something called sell side equity research, which is basically, um, covering different industries and different companies within those industries and doing a lot of primary research and writing research reports for investors, institutional investors. So hedge fund managers, mutual fund managers, um, you know, different types of, of institutions and, and worked in a bunch of different industries there. So, oh, cool. So explain that a little bit for people listening. So, yeah. So would they like hire your firm then to do the research for them? I'm guessing. Yeah. So, so there are analysts um, on, on the buy side, which are the investors that do a lot of their own research, but they're um, they count on, it's sort of just an, I wouldn't say an outsourced resource platform because they are doing their own research for the most part, but it's sort of having industry experts. They can bounce ideas off, bounce questions off. We have very good relationships with, 
the management teams at these companies, we speak to them a lot. We, you know, we're, we're sort of a mixture of um, news and analysis. And I can say this now because I'm not in the industry anymore, a little bit of PR um, okay. for, for the companies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really important to me. I worked at a firm that, that is an independent firm, meaning it did not have an investment bank tied to it. So ah. it was strictly research. We got paid based on the quality of our research. Um, and I loved it. And I, I worked, um, I covered three different sectors while I was there. Um, U.S. semiconductors, uh, U.S. regional banks. Yeah, it was wild having no, no technological background, but um, it was really interesting. And U.S. regional banks and U.S. beverages. So um, a lot of CPG stuff. We, we worked hand in hand with other CPG teams on, you know, snacks and foods and all sorts of stuff like that. And I, I did that for a few years and then made the switch over to the buy side to become an investor hmm. um, where I worked at a large multi-billion dollar hedge fund for a number of years um, as an analyst. So got to um, beat up on all my old colleagues uh, on, from the sell side and ask them for research reports and, and to run analyses and stuff like that. Um, covered mostly consumer and consumer technology there, but a little bit of everything. We're all generalists. I loved that job. Um, I had some great mentors there and some great colleagues. Um, investing is something that I knew that I wanted to do from like a very early age. I was one of those weird kids that like had a pretty myopic laser-like focus on what I wanted to be. It was just fascinating to me that you're solving a problem. They're all riddles to me, trying to figure out what is a company worth? Well, if I say it's worth X and you say it's worth Y, which one of us are going to be right? I'm hyper competitive. So um, that, and, and I like to gamble. So um, all of there those things combined, you know, really culminated in, in, in working as an investment professional. Um, I did that for a bunch of years and then, um, just really got burnt out. You know, I was exhausted physically, mentally. It's it's a rigorous life. And growing up in New York City, I sort of thought that's the way life was supposed to be, you know, had that very much like sleep when I'm dead mentality and burn the candle at both ends. And the people who aren't working hard enough just don't want it as bad. And, and a lot of unhealthy, now looking back and say unhealthy um, thoughts about, you know, work-life balance and stuff like that. And um, was working crazy hours, you know, and just, it was under tremendous amount of stress for someone in their mid twenties. Um, you know, our firm managed over $6 billion and wow. we were making or losing more money than I, you know, in a day than I would ever make or be able to pay back or anything like that. And sure. It, oh, it's yeah. sort of, what, 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 what did like a work day look like working at a place like um, that? Yeah. So it was up usually at, at six, um, or six thirty um, in the office around seven thirty on a normal day. I covered a lot of Euro European stocks uh, towards the end, so I was actually up in the middle of the night a, a few days a week for the European wow. Open sometimes, and not every week, but um, especially during earnings season, which is when the companies report their quarterly earnings and they release them um, in the office around seven thirty, um, depending on the day. Um, leaving usually around 7.30, um, oftentimes later, especially when I was on the sell side. Sell side was in the office at 6.45, usually leaving at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was a grind. Um, a lot of 
work. I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit, but we didn't have Blackberries when I first got to the sell side. We had okay. them, and and it was it was nice because you 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 have to stay at the office late, but when you were gone, you were gone, and you know your boss had your cell phone number and stuff like that. But it wasn't this constant barrage of emails, and it wasn't this twenty four seven lifestyle um that changed when i got to to the buy side and it you know the world changed after 2008 when i was still on the buy side and and the industry changed a lot and i felt that i really just wanted to get my hands dirty and 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 help build something and and i felt that as investors of basically large cap companies you know companies that had billions of dollars in revenue we weren't affecting that much change, right? It wasn't our job to do that, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like we were as involved as I wanted to be. And so I decided to leave the industry. I took a little bit of time off. I caught up on some sleep um, and, and some, yes, like. and some travel and, and learned to play golf and ah, <laughs> all nice. the things that you, that you do, I guess. Um, and but, you know, started to look into the earlier stage industry, started making some angel investments, started consulting and helping out some friends that had startups that needed help on the finance side and didn't, you know, understand about building models or certain KPIs and, you know, sort of anal the analytics side of things. Um, and then really started to focus more on, on early stage investing. Um, one of my closest friends and I um, started investing in things together, our own you know, personal capital, um, writing, you know, pretty small checks in the beginning. Um, but I, I wanted to build something and I, I just wasn't sure what it was. And from seeing a lot of companies on the investing angle, it was pretty clear to me when someone wasn't all in on something or they were in it for the wrong reason or whatever. And I, I couldn't do that myself, having seen it so many times and passing on so many investments because of that. And so, um, I was just sort of waiting to be inspired and to find something that I could mix my passion for business and my, and, you know, a passion for building something that the world needed. Um, and I was willing to just wait for that to come. And that's, that's what happened with Omics, um, which we started, um, you know, late last year. Very cool. So you kind of, that's pretty wild that you were like, you know, full throttle into the investment world. And then what, we'll, what was it like, I guess, any major takeaways? Did you have any like weird recollections when you were golfing and catching up on sleep? Like, you know, I'm sure that's a, must be such a weird transition going from that pedal to the metal to taking time off. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, this, this for sure. No, absolutely. What's, what's amazing is, um, and it might be counterintuitive, I guess, looking back on it, not as counterintuitive as, as I thought then, but the more you have going on, the more you're able to do. Like I had to do my laundry and I had to do this and I had to like move the car and I had, you know, all of these things I had to, because I had so much other stuff going on that if like you pull the yarn, like everything unravels sure. and then you get to this time and you're like, eh, I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow turns into next week and next week turns into next month. And then you're sitting and you're like, you know, I haven't done whatever it is that, I, that this pile of papers is that I'm supposed to respond to these letters or these emails or whatever has been sitting here for three weeks. And so I think productivity begets productivity in a lot of ways. And, and, and it's hard to live. It was hard for me to go like in make such a binary shift from going 100 miles an hour to, to going to zero. Um, I got to do a lot of things that I wasn't able to do. I got to read a lot and catch up on a lot of things that I wasn't able to do. I got to spend a lot of time with friends and, and do some traveling and, and, you know, just in general, take a deep breath. But 
Um, it wasn't easy. It was, I, I'm still not great at relaxing or taking time off, um, much to my wife's chagrin. Uh, my phone <laughs> is never more than two or three feet away from me. I, I check my phone more than I probably should. Although I would argue that, um, it relaxes me and I'll be more stressed out if I can't it, you know, so when we try to take some time away or some time off and she says, can you just not check your phone? I, I try to explain like, I'm going to be more agitated. I'm with I you. I am the same I way. I get like, it. I try to put my phone down at night by some, at some point, like I just try to like, I'm just going to put it down, enjoy my time with my wife, relax. No, I'm just always like, it's like, it's like you're sitting I can there. can feel like, the hives. I can, yeah. I can feel you know? the notifications coming in that I need to respond to. I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> my wife, my wife isn't probably going to be too happy about this story, but uh, we went on our honeymoon, obviously after we got married and um, we went to Italy and we were in Venice and we were taking a boat from the airport to our hotel and it was this beautiful sunset. My wife's trying to take pictures on her phone and I'm huddled over in the corner and she's like, can, if you're not going to be a part of the picture, can you just get out of the way? Oh no. And, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. And and she took a, a beautiful picture of, of the sunset on our first day of our honeymoon. And the hashtag was, I'm on my honeymoon and David's on his phone. Oh no. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a part of me. Uh, but you got, you got a funny laugh out of that picture. You always remember now. <laughs> we did, we did, but uh, it's, and especially now working and we get into this and working in sort of, you know, so focused on health and wellness, you know, screen time's a big deal and, and blue light is a big deal. And I've made a lot of, um, you know, strides uh, and become a much healthier person, which I definitely want to touch on and was the inspiration for starting Omics. But um, the screen time and, and like no phone before bed and no phone right when you wake up, like that stuff is really, really challenging for me. Um, and, and it's by far the hardest of all the changes that I've made. I try and it's, it's cyclical. I have days and weeks where I'm really good about it. And then I'm just like, I'll put my phone down and I'll get into bed and I'll read for like a little while. And I'll be like, mm -hmm. I wonder if anyone's emailed something important. And no, they haven't. But yeah, um, so it's, it's weird, it's isn't tough, it? But it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but and let's get into that. So, um, sure. you know, that's your background leading up to your newest venture. So then how, I guess, even then when you were when you were doing these other, you know, components of your career, did you always have an eye for health and wellness? Or is this something that just slowly but surely kind of creeped into your life? No, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, I lived, I lived pretty, um, pretty hard life, you know, burning the candle at both ends, um, work hard, play hard, you know, grow, like you said, grew up in New York City, there were a lot of late nights, there were a lot of, you know, very little sleep nights, you know, there were a lot of bacon, egg and cheeses on the way to the office. Um, I ate three meals a day at my desk for a long time, you wow. know, <clears throat> and dinner and that ranged from you know um like i said bacon egg and cheese or something for breakfast to salad sometimes for lunch to you know chipotle for dinner and and i i never understood and it was my own ignorance um uh, just i never understood how exercise and sleep and all those things had such a direct impact on my life and i was just tired all the time but again i felt like this is the way it's supposed to be, you know, like you sure. just grind and you grind and you grind and you grind. And um, I, yeah, I never, I never, I was, a, a, I grew up in New York city. Um, 
I work in finance. I, I spend my whole life trying not to lift heavy things or sweat ever, um, <laughs> let alone, let alone, you know, um, proactively or, or um, you know, do intentionally. So um, I, I never worked out. I never exercised. Um, I ate what I wanted pretty much, you know, exclusively. Um, I'm lucky I was never, you know, severely overweight or anything like that. Looking back on pictures, I was certainly bloated and inflamed and, you know, not, um, you know, the epitome of health, but I always felt fine, but, um, yeah, never really realized what an impact it was having. And about two and a half years ago, um, I was just like, I'm getting just, I'm tired all the time. And, um, I just, my energy levels are going down I'm in my mid thirties at this point and, um, very cliche. I woke up on January 1st and my wife, uh, and I hadn't gone out then, you know, for new year's, we just stayed home. And so I woke up, I'm a very early riser from all those years on wall street. I often wake up, you know, when there's a three, um, you know, oh, wow. starting the clock. Yeah. Um, which I love because I get a lot of stuff done early in the morning. I it just happens to be my circadian rhythm. I have the most energy first thing in the morning. Like I yes. exercise, I'm in the gym at 4am usually like, nice. and, so but, I'm, but I must, but at seven 30, I'm like, is it bedtime yet? <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's just the way that my, my body works. Um, but yeah, so I got up really early on the first of January. I was like, I got to get, you know, new year, new me. And, and we were living in Manhattan. I, there was a gym that was literally maybe a hundred feet away. Um, and I walked across like the total cliche. I was like, Hey, I'm here for the gym, you know? And, uh, they were like, yep. January 1st guy in his mid thirties. Like, yep. We're ready for 15 you. Ex 15 extra pounds on him. Like this is our bread and butter. Here we go. <laughs> um, you know, uh, let, let the quota clock roll. You know, it's like literally like eight 30 in the morning on January 1st. Like people were still like walking around the streets of New York city at the time. I was um, going to say probably still partying yeah, from the night before. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I didn't want to lift anything heavy. I, did, I had this vision that I was going to like start working out and become like this massively jacked guy. And that was not what I wanted. And I didn't, you know, particularly care that much about, you know, being having huge muscles or anything. So I said, oh, I'm going to use the elliptical and, and I'll get a good quote unquote, get a good sweat in a few times a week. And that'll, yeah. that'll really help. And so I started doing that. And then I, I went down to Florida to visit uh, one of my dearest friends and um, was talking with his wife, who is, um, amongst many other things, a former professional athlete and an incredible wow. um, fitness personality and just a, a great human being all around and, and an inspiration and someone I credit um, my journey, you know, helping me start my journey. She, she gets a lot of the credit for that and, and continuing to inspire me and, and um, support me through it. But she said, you know, this isn't going to work you know, the elliptical 45 minutes, three times a week, isn't the answer. You've got to lift things. They've got to be heavy. You've got to do high intensity interval training when it comes to cardio. And she just started laughing and she was like, the look on your face right now is so disgusted, disappointed. Like, and I was like, like, wait yeah, a minute, this is going to work. <laughs> I was like, can I just like stop eating Chipotle? Like, isn't that, <laughs> isn't that an easier, easier fix? And, and, um, she, she said, no, you can't basically to use a, a, and now a, a phrase from my, my former hedge fund days, you can't cost save your way to prosperity. You know, you can't just keep cutting things out and hoping that you're going to, you're going to flourish. And she said, give it a try. You're going to like it. You're a quantitative person. You like seeing progress. You like charting things and tracking things. And I was like, this is a terrible idea, but I'm, you're, you're you and I'm me and you know, and I don't, so I'll give it a try. 
Um, and I went back to New York and I got a trainer and I had this whole spiel like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for two months with you and then I want to do it myself. I'm just, basically I was afraid of hurting myself, you know, and I didn't okay. want, I wanted but to- By lifting was, heavy specifically? Yeah, I was just afraid of hurting. I'd never really lifted weights in my life. And in my mid thirties, I didn't want to be the, you know, I had this <laughs> this image in my head of like the being lying down on this bench with like the bar on my throat and like- oh, Okay, yeah. Lift it and like, or <laughs> sure. like, you know, trying to lift something up and like tearing my rotator cuff or something. And I was just like, this is not how it's going to go for me. And And I also wanted to make sure that I was- finding the most efficacy in what I was doing. And so um, I hired a trainer. I said, you know, give me two months, teach me how to do things the right way. Let's get the right form. Let's make sure we don't hurt ourselves and let's program. And then I'm going to do it on my own. And, and I fell in love with it. I just, I loved the feeling. I, I felt better. I had more energy. I was sleeping better. Um, and I loved the, I, my, my friend and was right you know I loved the tracking I love saying oh I lifted this much this week but look what I did last month and and, and seeing the progress and it's addictive weight, right it's it's so addictive and, and I and there's obviously you know biological responses right there's you know there's serotonin releases in your brain and things like that but it's just I'm also a very formulaic very programmatic person I like things I like routines I like you know stuff like that so I love getting up every morning and going um, and it also gave me psychologically, it gave me a huge sense of accomplishment. I would go to the gym. Now I go earlier, but I would go at six then. And, you know, I come home at seven and I'd be like, I've already accomplished something today. Like, let's keep it going. And it was a huge positive momentum force for me. Like, I have a lot of energy. I've accomplished something. I'm improving myself. Like, today's going to be a great day. And if you know me, um, and for, you know, that is not the mentality that I've always had. I, I can be a curmudgeonly New Yorker. Um, so <laughs> that, that was, it was uh, they, my, my wife and some of my friends, you know, uh, my, I've always gone by David. And, and when I started getting healthier, uh, my wife and some of my friends made up this joke of, of there's this alter ego called laid back Dave. And they're like, <laughs> who is the, who is this guy? Um, and so I Dave. just, that's I just funny. loved it. I got obsessed with it. Um, and I'm, I'm an analytical person by nature. So I got a whoop and was like, Oh, nice. Yeah, data. Yeah. I'm a oh. massive fan of theirs. Um, and, uh, you know, I started listening to their podcast because I just wanted to learn and analyst brain and just wanted to, you know, figure out what was the best thing. And I, I always think that there's an optimal way to do everything and all of this stuff. And I was listening to a podcast and, um, they were, they had a woman named Cassandra Hobart on who um, worked for a company called M2 Performance Nutrition. And I was just sort of blown away, I, you know, by what she was saying. And, and I literally halfway through the episode DM'd her on Instagram. I was like, I don't know if you're taking new clients or not, but I need a nutritionist and I want it to be you. And like, let's wow. figure it out. Oh, cool. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and she was like, here, you have to like go through the, you know, the process at M2, but like, I'll be your nutritionist. And we started and it was a humbling experience. She was like, you know, we started, had this onboarding and she's like, how do you eat? I was like, I'm killing it. Like I'm going to the gym. I learned how to lift weights. I'm having a protein shake. And she was like, okay, well, what's in your protein shake? I was like, oh, it's great. It's like chocolate protein and bananas and almond milk and peanut butter. And she was like, okay, how much peanut butter? I was like, I don't know, like enough. And yeah. She was like, do you measure it? And I was like, no. And she was like, okay, like next time maybe measure it. I was like, it's like a tablespoon. And she was like, okay, it's probably not, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And so the next time I, she was like, just scoop it out like you normally would, but then use a measuring spoon. And it was like three and a half tablespoons. And she was like, yeah, like 
that much fat after intense workout, your body's not in the, like the optimal state to produce, like to, to be ingesting fat and stuff like that. And I was like, wait, what? And then like, my mind was just continuously blown every week we would have these check-ins. And I was like, I feel like I'm learning. Like, I feel like I'm a newborn. Like I've been eating food for 37 years. Like, you what didn't do you know mean? This. Like, yeah. yeah, there's all this stuff that there is to know. And I was just like, I need to learn more and you need to recommend books. And I just sort of dove straight in and, and, and got obsessed. And I was using, I built a, my own Newton macro tracker in Excel because I'm just that much of a nerd. Well, um, and I'll stop you there. It's yeah. funny that I'm so pumped to get into this because the, you're like, you, this is like me, like as well, like a couple of years ago. Like I, all of these things you're saying are things that I've gone through and had the exact same experiences. So keep going. I, this, I, yeah. even the Excel stuff, I'm obviously a, I a think people a that know me. A lot of people have had this experience. And, and yeah. the issue that I was having with macro tracking was um, a lot of the programs out there were, I thought, not using all of the data that they have to make the experience better. Right. There okay. are between all of the different companies that do this, there are some very large ones, some very small ones, but there are hundreds of millions of people that have downloaded these apps, literally hundreds of millions, like a, probably a, approaching half a billion or something like that wow. like over time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some of the big players in the industry have over a hundred million on their own um, and have tens of millions of active users. And it's just a digital diary, right? It doesn't yeah. tell you, there's no insight. It's not saying, Hey, you know, Shane, you, when you eat this and this, you're most frequently, you know, you're most likely to eat this. And, and it's not telling you, you know, you're over on this. So cut this down. It's not making any recommendations. It's not, there's no, there's nothing algorithmic about it or anything. And, and you get into this situation, which Cassandra, you know, when we were first talking about this terms, macro tetris where you're like you log all your stuff for the day and then you're like oh god i need five grams of fat and 10 grams of protein and 23 grams of carbohydrates like what yes. food fits that and here it's a, super a frustrating and, well i have yeah, a funny ahead. story i have a funny story because this i i've been doing this thing all year and i started it last year i won't go into detail of it but essentially it's like it's a diet where you do intermittent fasting when you eat it's it's meat it's veggies it's fats but you don't track any of it. The whole concept mm -hmm. is like, you can just eat what you want, eat till you're full. And over time, I lost a lot of weight. I probably lost mm -hmm. close to 10 pounds since January 1st, but then like just flatlined. And I know it's because like, I'm not being like, it's not, I'm not tracking everything. I'm just kind of like, whatever this, whatever that. And then the other night I, or last week, I was like, I'm going to do the same types of foods, but track it. And just so mm -hmm. I see it. And so I did that for a week and I realized like, whoa, this is where I'm like, I didn't realize how much I was ingesting. So then like this last week, I'm like, I'm gonna try to hit these certain macro targets, which we can get into, but I have a whole yeah, question sure. on that whole part of it too. And it was funny because I got to the end of the night and I, you know, hit all my carbs, hit all my fat, but all this protein left. And my wife whipped up uh, this egg white and peanut butter combination on the, which is like, it was like, I like them both separate, but like it was just yeah. funny. It was just a funny thing. Yeah. Like, I remember eating. I'm like, why am I eating this at nine o'clock just to hit this? Like, it just felt <laughs> you, ridiculous, I guess. You know you what I mean? get, <laughs> Yeah, you get to a point. And by the way, that's not the worst outcome. The worst outcome is I need five grams of protein, 10 grams of fat and negative 23 carbohydrates. Like, what do I do now? Like, yeah. And so we, I know all these people in tech from, you know, doing early stage investing. And I was like, there has to be an algorithm where we can find things that fit these pieces that fit in this macro Tetris spot. And I started talking to one of my co-founders um, who's a, a longtime engineer and has done, you know, 
uh, worked on a lot of really interesting projects and engineers are fascinating people to me because they have a, a, a ability to remove the subject matter from the problem, right? They just look at it as a problem and it doesn't sure. matter whether you're solving for macros or anything else. And he goes very quickly, which is like, yeah, this is just a geometry problem, right? Like fats, carbs, proteins, if you think about that on the, the, every food has these three axes, you can compare it against the database, find which is the most similar and recommend that as the, the piece that fits in that puzzle. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, and he was like, and then we can iterate it to say, well, start with the things that are in your log already. Then as over time, the algorithm will get smarter things that let's look at, you know, the things that you've logged previously. So it's not logging fish for someone who doesn't like, we're not suggesting fish for someone who doesn't like fish or it's, you know, oh, you eat a lot of chicken. Well, chances are like you can add chicken to that salad or whatever it may be. And the whole premise was to make food logging a faster, easier, less stressful experience. There's a company called Superhuman, which is an email client, yes. um, which I'm a huge I've seen fan some people of. use that. It's great. Um, I, I use it. I'm uh, suggested for everyone. Um, wish I would have had the opportunity to invest in them much earlier okay. um, or at all. But um, but their whole concept was like email is email and we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're just going to make it something that's tedious, the best possible experience. And huh. macro tracking is I'm never going to tell anyone that macro tracking is the same thing as like in same level of enjoyment is like watching a game with your buddies or like it's it's not it's work but it, i believe it's work that's very worthwhile and investing in your own health is the best thing that you can do um but it instead of saying hey this is going to be fun and this is like a video game or something like that we're just trying to make it fast easy and stress-free so it's it's Love not that. onerous on you and part of how we do that is make these suggestions reimagine the ui and the ux so it's ways of moving things around and selecting things that you're used to from your phone and and stuff like that um, and that's just the beginning but i want to dive into macros and and I, just one other comment is that there's something called and i learned this from cassandra who is really the source of all of my information when it comes to nutrition or most of it at, at least primary and usually is the one who recommends me to the things that i read to learn other things but when you're talking about you know you ate until you were full and which they call satiety and, and you were losing weight, but it sort of leveled off. There's something called adaptive thermogenesis. And my guiding principle, having studied this for, you know, not that long, but pretty deeply for the past few years is you can't outsmart your body. Um, and if you're eating, if you're in what they call a calorie deficit, meaning you're not eating, you're eating fewer calories than you burn, yeah. you will lose weight in the short term. Over the medium and long term, your body will adapt and say, I'm not getting enough energy. Let's slow down the metabolism so we're not burning as much. And that's why you level out. The same reason why if you're in a most Americans, which they call the SAD, the standard American diet, which just happens to be a very uh, good acronym. Yeah, um, yeah it does. But most people are in a calorie surplus for their whole life. And your body just, but you don't gain weight forever, right? Everyone would be 5,000 pounds, right? Your body just learns to say, this is too much. Let's ramp up the metabolism. Let's ramp up our, what they call NEAT, which is like basically you're, you're twitching, your hands moving, your knees tapping, just really? finding ways to burn more energy. And I'll also literally just pass, pass some certain things through and be like, this is just too much. And, um, but yeah, so, so your body is just way smarter. And it, it, when you think about it, 
from sort of an evolutionary standpoint, I mean, winter used to come around and there was no food, right? So your body was like, sure. I'm not getting enough food. It's going to be cold soon. We have to slow down our metabolism so we don't starve to death. And that's basically what your body is doing. If you're in a calorie deficit for too long, your, your body's just saying, your body's number one goal is to not die. So it's just going to say, I'm not going to let myself starve to death. I'm just going to slow down my metabolism so I need less energy because I'm clearly not getting enough. So that's why you have that sort of fall off in, in weight loss over time. Oh, so it's not, okay. Wow, I have so many questions. That's so interesting <laughs> because, well, it's just so interesting because, I mean, that's like what I've run into. And then I feel like, there's like this, this component every year for me where like, I feel like I'm making tons of progress into the fall. And then not that I'm losing, I lose progress, but I mean, obviously like I think the winter, the winter, I live in Chicago. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, and my gym is my garage. So it's just in the winter. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's warm or cold out. It's like, whatever the temperature is outside, that's what I'm working out in. Um, but I, I tend to see that. And I always, I've, I've told, told my wife that I'm like, I feel like my metabolism just like slows down in the fall and the winter here. Uh, maybe there is some truth to that. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's, you're probably moving less. You're probably walking around more in the summers and just, you know, they, they, um, you know, non-exercise, you know, the portion of, of it's really interesting because I used to think you could also just like exercise your way to weight loss. And like, if you look at how much energy you burn in a day, exercising versus your total, it's actually a relatively small percentage. Um, wow. Really? Know, like, you hit, you hit it hard on the Peloton for 45 minutes or you bust in the gym for an hour. So that like, you know, I personally, and it's different for everyone. I will burn four or 500 calories a, in a, in a, in a good workout session, but I'm burning 22, 23, 24, 2,500 calories a day. So it's like 20% of my calories. Like the other 80% is just living your life. Yeah. Which is yeah. Like a great thing to remember when you sort of get down yourself. Like, oh, I haven't been to the gym in a few days because I've been busy with work and stuff like that. Like re- always remember like 80% of your calories are just living your life. And the best thing to do is like get up and walk around on a call or something like that. And, okay. And, you know, I think it's important also to talk about the fact that, you know, Omics is not focused on weight loss and, and the world conflates skinny with healthy. Um, and that's there. We could talk about that for a long time. The reasons why, especially with women, um, unfairly. And, you know, there are people who have six packs who are tremendously unhealthy. Um, and there are people who are quote unquote pudgy, whose internal organ systems, um, are working very, very well. And, and Omics is on a mission to help people maximize what, what is called the health span. So it's the subset of your lifespan during which you're healthy. Oh, um, okay. so lifespan is just the numeric, you know, representation of how many years you're alive. David was born. He died 79 years later. His lifespan of 79 years. But how many of those 79 years was he without chronic disease, right? He had a heart attack at 52. He had diabetes at 63, so on and so forth. So his health span was really only 52 of those 79 years. Wow. And we've gone a long way in over the past roughly 100 years. We've increased our lifespan collectively by about... 30 something years with the advent of a lot of, quite frankly, pharmaceutical medication, eradicating disease and stuff like that. But we've increased lifespan by 30 something years and we've increased health span by like sing- low, mid, mid single digit number of years. So like really? people, people living, are living longer, longer, but they're just healthier. sicker. Yeah. yeah. So like sicker longer. what's the point? Yeah. yeah. Like if you yeah. ask me, I could live to 60 and die on my 60th birthday in my sleep, but never be sick. Or I could live to 85, but 
I'll be healthy until 65 and then I'll be sick for 20 more years. Like, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. Right. Sure. And, yeah, yeah. and now I have a kid and stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it, it changes it, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're probably like, just whack me when I'm 60, you know, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, there's, there's a great article by um, this guy, Ezekiel Emanuel, who lives in Chicago is actually the brother of your former mayor. Oh yeah. Um, okay. yeah. Um, but he is an oncologist and he wrote an article a few years ago called why, why, I, I don't remember the exact title, but something to the effect of why I will die at 75. Um, and he wrote this whole thing about how it's onerous on your family financially and emotionally and psychologically to have to take care of sick people and your children shouldn't have to take care of you and all of these things. And like, you've lived a great life and let's just, you know, it, it, there's this other theory called the compression of morbidity, which is basically the t minimizing that time between health span and lifespan, right? So trying to be sick for as short of a period of time. And Omics is on a mission to help people, you know, improve their health span. And, and the, the perfect life in this aspect would be health span equals lifespan. And that's probably unrealistic, right? People are going to get sick. But um, we believe you do that through living what we call um, a functional lifestyle and, and we, you know, prehabilitating your body as opposed to rehabilitating, doing things and living a lifestyle which keep you from getting sick as opposed to, you know, going to the doctor for a cure once you become sick. And, and so for us, you know, macro tracking, and, and this is just the beginning of what we're working on, but it's not about, you know, losing weight. For some people it is, for some people it's about gaining weight, you know, and it's about yeah. finding the optimal thing. And for us, you know, we live by a, a lot of different mantras, but one of them is that, you know, health is a journey, it's not a destination. So it's not, I weigh oh, 175 I and I wanna weigh 165. And when I get to 165, like I talk to these people all the time who are dieting and they're like, well, I weigh 140 pounds but I, I, when, I, when I was in college, I weighed 120 pounds. I'm like, I want to be back to 120. I'm like, well, what then? Sure. You know, like you've reached that destination. Now what? Like, are you just happy? Like, or yeah. is, you know, are you healthy at that weight? You know, so on and so forth. So Omics is really about health as a journey, not a destination. And it's really about what they call bio-individuality and that every person is different. And there is no one thing that helps everyone. There is no one pill that can make everyone healthy. There's no one right diet for everyone. You know, bodies are unique and they process stress and energy and, and food and all these things differently, not to mention everyone's life is different. Yeah. Um, and so for us, it's about helping people find what works for them. And we've started with this macro tracking, but we are going to grow the, the grand vision and I can talk about it to some degree is to create a massive machine learning engine that we call your second brain for health spin, which will analyze tons of lifestyle factors and pieces of data um, and help find causal relationships between those things yeah. to help you create a lifestyle that you can live functionally for a long time. Because as Cassandra always says to me, you know, the best diet or routine or anything is one that you can sustain for a long period of time. Definitely. Um, so we're going to, our goal is to help people find those factors and create that lifestyle that is, works for them and is not sort of a, an all or nothing crash, um, but also helps them be healthier for longer and prevent, um, you know, chronic disease later on in life. I love that. You know, it's, it's so interesting uh, is what you're building. I mean, like the, the, the foundation of what you're talking about is so in line with like what you mentioned, whoop, for example, mm -hmm. I think whoop is like kind of in that same general world, but like on the, on the strain side of things, 
And then um, just from my time at RX bar, obviously I've gotten to know a lot of people and just understand the CrossFit world and like their whole beginning and like their belief system. It sounds like honestly, all three of those, the three of you together would be just a great combination, whether that's all together as one business or as a, you know, stay stay tuned is is what I can say. Um, We we are, we are in conversations with a lot of people in this ecosystem um, some of whom you mentioned, um, okay. Love it. and you know, we are, we are hoping, you know, I believe that there is a moral responsibility here. And I take, you know, this is a, this is a company, it's a business, but it's a movement, you know, just as much. And I think that there's an altruistic part of it. And I want to have an omics foundation, um, at some point, you know, nutrition is a really hard thing. And a lot of people don't know even what they don't know. And, and I, and yeah. I don't say that from a, from a, an instructor or um, holier than thou place. I was one of those people. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, and, you know, my sister-in-law used to teach, um, you know, uh, elementary school kids with special needs in the South Bronx in New York city. I mean, the most at-risk kids in, in that you can think of it's like South side of Chicago or South central Los Angeles or, or any of these, um, on unfortunate places. And these kids are the most needing and the least um, prepared. And so I believe that we can help children learn how to eat healthier and it will affect their lifestyle and their ability to perform and how they feel and all of these things um, in, in ways that, you know, will have profound impacts on their lives. And I believe that that's a responsibility that we have to our you know fellow fellow citizens who who don't have as much opportunity as we do to to learn about these things in, at home or in school or, or anything like that. That's really cool. No, that's awesome that you have like a a bigger vision for this whole entire business. Um, I think it's so interesting because you know everyone in my circle, whoever I've ever talked to about whoop or I've talked to about dieting, I feel like the the challenge always is is most of these tools. Uh, always seem to run separate. Like they're all like, you know, whoop is like everyone, everyone I know that loves whoop is like, yeah, but I wish there was like a nutrition piece to it. And then same thing with like an Apple watch. Um, but even then like my fitness pal, sometimes I feel like people use that to track macros, but then it's like, well, is that optimal with what I'm doing every, every outside the kitchen? So I love it. I mean, this is like what I talk about all the time. I'm like, I feel like I have so many different tools, but I don't know if they're all even talking to each other. You just had an idea for a company called Omics. Um, there we go. <laughs> we, I, I think, you know, these people are all working on really complicated problems and yeah. they're really hard to solve and they require, you know, laser-like focus on those things, but um, they all are interdependent and they're all dependent variables um, in, a, in a holistic lifestyle. And that, when I talk about the second brain and ingesting this information from all these different things, that's what we're working on is, is love it. Okay, great. My recovery is this and I ate this, but like, wow, did I know that every time I eat this at this time, then my recovery is this, or I'm able to exert more energy when I eat this or do this or practice meditation before I work out, or there are all of these different things. There's some that's that you control, like, you know, daily stuff, like your activity, your mindfulness, your sleep, your, your food. There's some that is biological, like your gut microbiome and your DNA and your blood tests. So our goal is really to take all of these things and, and throw them into one brain and have it 
sort of analyze and like I said, find these causal relationships between what's what works for you, because that I think is, you know, one of the most important factors, because what works for Shane is not going to be what works for David. Um, yeah, and, which and you see really a lot. Important. You see this like copy paste, like this is the way to get a six pack. This is a way to lose 20 pounds. This is. Yeah, you do. That's it, very, very, it's, very true. It's the easiest way. It's the Good easiest marketing. way to maximize your addressable market. Yep, exactly. That's it's what I started to say, say something works you know? for everyone. I've been on like my, like, that sounds very cliche, but I've been on like a fitness journey, I would say, whatever you want to call it, health journey. Sure. Since, you know, freshman year of college, my, my roommate who ended up being my best man, he was like the one that got me to start going to the gym and start thinking about diet. Um, and from there, I've just kind of become more and more of a student and trying to like learn and test things. And that, that is one of the things I've noticed probably the most consistent is like everyone you, you follow online, it might've worked for them, but they just like, they're, they're able to market it and sell it, but you got, don't want to fall for that. Cause that's, that just, it works for some people and some people it doesn't. Well, people are, are, are desperate, right? They, yeah. they want, to, they want results. They want them fast. They don't want to put in a ton of work and, and they're looking for an easy way out. And again, I don't say that from a place of superiority. I'm one of them. I've tried all sorts of different things. And, you know, I think what for us is there's this concept called that we did not come up with called the quantified self, which is all of this tracking and monitoring because you, you know, the theory is you can't fix what you don't know. Right. Yeah. So let's, sure. let's find quantitative things about your body and fix them. What I think omics will be able to do over time is take many, many quantified selves and turn them into a quantified community. So we can start to see not only causal relationships between the things that you're doing and, and the impact that it's having on different aspects of your life, but find commonality between you and other cohorts of members. So it's saying, oh. hey, Shane, when you eat late at night, you're not sleeping well, for example. By the way, a lot of these people have the same problem. And it turns out that if they add more fat to their diet, at dinner time, they're more satiated and they sleep better or whatever it may sure. be. And so you oh, can start cool. to use insights. Yeah, not only from yourself, but from all these other people, because the, if you have commonality with someone around certain things, the chances that you are going to have commonality around other things is obviously greater than random. So if you start to, there's this, this area of study called collaborative filtering. If you start to filter people down by things that make them similar, obviously the more factors that are similar, the more predictive it gets around something else. So if David and Sean have five things in common and Sean likes number six, the chances that David likes number six is greater than random because they have the commonality in one through five. <laughs> so when you have all of these quantified selves, you can put them all together into this quantified community and find all these relationships amongst people and help people give the help give people instruction and advice and suggestions and recommendations around how to live this functional lifestyle, not only based on their own data and their own activity, but how they relate to other people. Wow. Oh, that is so fascinating. Very cool. So, I mean, okay, this is all, I'm, I'm obviously very intrigued, loving all this from a business perspective, like where is Omix today? I mean, it yeah. sounds like you guys have been like, think, I mean, obviously you have a very, 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 very cool vision for where this is going. Would love to know where it's at today. Yeah. So Omix today is in the superhuman of food tracking phase. We've built a beta. We're in private beta testing um, with M2, with the M2 nutrition performance nutrition group. Um, oh, okay. I talked about that Cassandra is, oh, yeah. is uh, a, um, uh, coach there and 
Mike Malloy, who is the founder, is a, a brilliant guy, um, brilliant nutritionist, brilliant coach of people, was a, a competitive CrossFit athlete, um, is really just a, a great guy. And, and we worked with him. Um, he gen generously offered to share um, our beta with their user base. Um, and, you know, we're not a coach and I would, and some people need coaching and, and I cannot, I'm a, still a client of M2. That's how I met Cassandra, but I still am a, an active paying client. I would recommend anyone who is in search of nutrition to go, the nutrition coaching to go to M2 performance nutrition. But um, so we started a closed beta with them um, over the month, the last month, it went um, better than I think we could have expected. We we had people, we had a few hundred people testing the app out. Um, that sign up number was higher than we thought it was going to be. Awesome. Um, and the, the responses have been great. Um, we asked people uh, after a few days of using the app um, to you know rate it, compare it to what they were using before they started trying Omics. Would they switch? Um, and almost seventy five percent of the people that we that responded of the testers said. Um, that they would switch from whatever program they're using today to omics which you know considering wow at a beta stage too that's fantastic yeah we're we're really lucky uh, my the team is is incredible um you know they just work tirelessly um they think tirelessly about how to make the product better um i'm not an engineer so they they make me look pretty good um, when i have to talk to people like you but uh, they, they deserve <laughs> the credit for for building just an incredible product um we've talked to a number of other people in the in the fitness and health world um not coaches but you know fitness programming people and gyms and training methods and all this stuff and they all sort of say like what you've built is as good as what else whatever else is on the market today already and you're just getting started um so that's where we are today um would love um, for your listeners to sign up for the beta, we'll, we'll shoot you a, uh, a, you know, a, a link that you can send out or put in the show notes or whatever. And we'll thank you. We'll That'd be awesome. Prior, yeah. Priority access and they can get right to the top of the wait list. Um, and the next step is to um, go out and raise our seed capital round and then start getting to work on building the second brain. And, and hopefully, you know, um, middle of next year, we'll be able to launch that functionality to, to the general public. Um, wow. It's been an adventure already and it's going really well. And, and it's, I'm lucky to work on something that's so personal and passionate, you know, such a, such a strong passion of mine and with people who share my vision and, and, you know, make, like I said, make me look good and, and, you know, just do such incredible hard work um, every day. And we're, we're, we're loving it. And we're, we're excited to, to take the next steps. It's pretty cool that you're working on something that I can tell you're very passionate about. I'm sure that not that you, it's not like you were very passionate about investing as a kid and everything coming up, but now it seems like this is like a big focus for you. That goes a little beyond even David uh, and kind yeah. of what you want to accomplish, which is cool. I think it does for sure. You know, it's, it's, I've, I, you know, I got into fitness and wellness and health, you know, in my late thirties and I feel younger and better and happier and stronger. And like, I'm a better friend and a better business partner and a better husband and, you know, a better, you know, child and brother and all these things than I have been ever in my life. And I, I think all of that or the vast majority of it um, has to do with how I feel. I just feel yeah. better. And, and uh -huh. I think it's important for everyone. And I think 
everyone can do this. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm really, really passionate about it. That's so cool. And I know it's a beta still, and I appreciate you offering that to all the listeners for people listening who, uh, maybe I'll start with people who currently do some sort of tracking of food or, mm-hmm. you know, have a diet. What could they expect from Omics right now? Like what's going to be a, a differentiator, the biggest thing, obviously like the macro thing you walk through makes a ton of sense sure. to me, but just curious for people listening who would maybe want to give us a shot, what they would expect. Yeah, I think, you know, we were very clear when we started putting together our product roadmap that there are things that other people that create macro trackers and food trackers do well. And and we don't have to reinvent the wheel on every piece of functionality or every feature. Um, That's a a waste of time. And, you know, it's just not necessary. So there are certain things and, and, you know, many things that you will see in Omics that you see in other food trackers. What we have done is added features and functionality on top of those things um, that we think differentiate us or that we know differentiate us and also focus on the experience to make it um, as fast, as easy, and as stress-free as possible. So, um, when we talk about specific features, we have things like a scale integration. So when you're weighing out and measuring out your food, it goes directly to your apps. You don't have to constantly be going back and forth. Oh, that's sweet. We have multiple days. So you can have macros for different days. Like this is my long distance, this is my endurance running day. This is my off day. And you can have different things and set preset different days. Like I always run on Saturdays. So I'm going to have a heavier carb day that day. And I always take an off day on Sunday. So this is my macros for that. Um, things like sharing your meals um, we're putting out. So I track, my wife tracks. Um, I do the cooking in our family and I get a text every morning that says, hey, have you logged dinner yet? You know, And I have to take a screenshot and send it over. So the ability to just zap her my with the meal that I already logged to share between oh, cool. friends or, or spouses or you know whatever it may be. Um, you know, all sorts of really interesting stuff like that. The recommendations is a big factor. We talked about that macro Tetris thing. So when you're putting your, when you're filling out your day, it will start to recommend, Hey, Shane, you're under on fat, add more peanut butter to that shake, or, Hey, you're over on carbohydrates. Don't eat four ounces of pasta, eat three ounces. And it will help you guide yourself through that day, which takes a lot of time and stress out of it. Yeah. And from a UI and UX, which is, you know, tech speak for the experience and the interface, um, which is about all the tech speak that I know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Me too, by but, the way. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's all about making it really easy. Um, Adam, our, our C, CPO, our chief product officer, um, thinks about things in, in number of taps or clicks. And so how can we make this faster? How can we, and he has this maniacal focus on reducing the number of taps that it takes to get something done, which is incredible. Oh, wow. um, and so it's drag and drop a lot, which is not you know native to a lot of food tracking apps, but it's very native to how you use your phone, you know, oh, and yeah. generally. So creating your own custom composites of foods or groups of foods, like I drink a lot of protein shakes, but I don't want to have to enter almond milk and bananas and peanut butter and protein and all these different things every day are like, I have overnight oats for breakfast every morning. I don't want to enter the oats and the maca and the flax and the protein and all of this sure. stuff. It's so like I create, yeah. And you can create a group, which is basically a new food, which is a composite of all of the different foods. And like for us, 
it was made total sense. Like this is the way people use iPhones. You can click on any food, drag it on top of another food and it will create that new group. And then you just oh. name it and then it's there. You can drag cool. things in, drag them out. So it's all about making it fast, easy um, and, and, and stress-free. I would say maybe daringly a little bit fun, um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a quantitative nerd Love that loves to solve that problem yeah. every day of, of what am I gonna eat? And so for me, food tracking is actually um, not stressful. It actually is a stress reducer yeah. because I feel comfortable that I'm like, I know what I'm eating is what I'm supposed to be eating. And I don't need to worry about it. Like, yeah. Oh, did I eat too much of this? Did I eat too much of that? It's like, no, it's almost like there's that famous old guy, Ron Popeil, who used to sell those rotisserie chickens and he had yeah. to set it, set it and forget it. And for me, that's like macro tracking. Like I figure out what I need to eat that day. And then I just forget about it and I just do what I need to do. And, and it's, so I love it. People do a lot of people do what you do. It's called intuitive eating. So eating, yeah. finding a framework and eating to satiety. Um, and, and that's a very healthy way to do it. And tracking is not meant to be for everyone forever. Cassandra has tried to get me off tracking a lot. And I'm just like, no, I like it. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a routine. It makes me happy. And so um, that's where we are today. And that's what users can expect. It's again, you know, people have said that have tracked over the few hundred people that we've tried it with, you know, almost 75% of people said that they would switch to ours. So that's a big vote of confidence. Um, and, you know, almost 75% of people said that they would be either somewhat or very disappointed if they couldn't use it anymore. So oh, wow. from a product that's market great. fit standpoint, yeah, we're getting a lot of great responses and we're, we're extraordinarily grateful and, 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 you know, enthused by that. And we know we can do so much more. So it's great. Yeah. Two questions I'm thinking of immediately. I don't want to forget. Two, two things that I know for me personally and other people I've, I've talked with in this sphere, I've talked about with what's currently out there. One is like, do you, with, with the, with your guys's platform, are you going to be, are you going to be like starting off with saying like, this is what I want to, like, I know you said maybe not necessarily like focus on like late or weight loss or weight gain, but like, do you put in a focus? I think, I think one thing that I feel like everyone stops at right away is like, okay, in order to track, I need to know like, what's the goalpost? Like what's the right amount of macros? I feel like even me who I've studied it forever, I still get confused. And part of it's because the cal calories in calories out thing, like I wear a whoop too. And I'm like, so are the calories out accurate enough to like use that as my daily, you know what I mean? There's like, and so I'm like, if that's not right, then my, then what am I even tracking for? Because maybe my goalpost of where I need to get to at the end of the day isn't right. Um, yeah. That's at least where my head goes. And I, yeah. You, you, you hit, you know, on a really important part of what we're doing and, and, you know, we've developed an algorithm for figuring out these macros and you do have to ask certain questions about what is your goal and what is your activity level and stuff like that. The truth is that it is part art, part science, and it's, it's never going to be perfect. And tracking, excuse me, tracking is really hard and, and calories out is, I mean, there is a way to figure out your calories out, like scientifically it involves you wearing a face mask the entire day and measuring the basically carbon dioxide that you're expelling from your body i don't think anyone's going to do that Man, i almost want to try that i didn't know that was a thing that sounds cool <laughs> i want to i want to try it at some point um but it's i think it's a little uh, you know it's a little bit of an inconvenience but yeah. no one can track you know they're, they're all using proxies right they're measuring your heart rate or something like that as a proxy for your caloric burn no one can track them accurately. It takes time. It is an iterative process. You know, 
the one way to know over the short term, again, because adaptive thermogenesis is a real thing, but over the short term, if you are eating the same amount of calories every single day and you are gaining weight, well, you're in a calorie surplus. All right. And so you should probably cut if your goal is to not gain weight, which for many people it is to gain weight, whether that's muscle or whatever, um, you should reduce the number of calories you're, you're like. So it, it's a little bit of trial and error and it, it's a little bit of seeing what you want. Also, depending on what your goals are, it doesn't always have to be that exact of a science. Like 100 calories here, 100 calories there is not going to make a huge difference in your life. It's 3,500 calories is equal to one pound, right? Yeah, so like right. if you have a few hundred extra calories one day, the problem is it becomes persistent, yeah. right? You're like, oh, I had a few hundred extra calories yesterday, so I'm gonna have a few hundred extra today. Or, oh, I said I was gonna have an ounce of chocolate for dessert, but it says 1.5 ounces on the scale. Like, eh, you know, whatever, it's fine. Like, I'll do it. And and over time, that adds up. And 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 not it's not that you gain weight because of that, but you're you're moving the goalposts, right? You're saying, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn 2,300 calories a day. And I'm gonna eat 2,300 calories a day, so I'm gonna stay in maintenance. But you're eating 2,500 calories a day. So like, what's the point of tracking if you're not gonna you know look at it? You know, but I move mine around. Um, it depends on, I think you have to listen to your body more than anything. You know, it's okay. a big thing that Cassandra talks about. If your body is hungry, if you're, if you're hungry and you feel hungry, you should eat, you know, not eating when you're hungry is starving yourself. And, and mm. I want to be very clear about that. And I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist, um, but Cassandra always talks about this. If you would eat a bowl of broccoli or something, not something you hate, but something you're sort of blah about yeah then you're hungry if you're like i'm hungry but i only want m&ms you're not hungry you know you just want m&ms yeah which is okay and that's fine and as if you're doing it you know thoughtfully and you know and you're having your your understanding that you know i'm stressed out or i've got a lot going on i would it gives me some enjoyment to have it that's totally fine but the problem with these things comes when people just start to lie to themselves, right? And and don't say you're hungry when you just want some chocolate and don't say you're you're full when you're not because you think you're gonna gain weight if you eat more than you know your macro target. There are days when I'm famished when I've hit my targets, right? Yeah. Like I'm I've got a young son, I've got a, a stressful job, I've my wife has a stressful job, you know, like it's a stressful time in the world. We're running around picking them up dropping them off, playing with him, you know, in between conference calls, so on and so forth. There are days when I'm eat dinner and I'm like, I've had my calories for the day. And I'm like, I'm still hungry. And you know what I do? I eat more. Yeah. But what I don't do is say, I'm still hungry. Where's the pint of ice cream? I focus on proteins. I focus on healthy foods. I focus on, you know, whole foods. So, you know, fruits, vegetables. I try to eat a lot of vegetables, but I never starve myself or, 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 you know, prohibit myself from eating your body. Again, going back to that thing, you, you can't outsmart your body, right? Yeah, like right. your body's telling you it's hungry. It's hungry. Um, it's, it's, and it's important to eat when your body's hungry. It is vital to the systems of your body to be properly fed. Got it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great response. I appreciate you giving that context. Um, and then the other one that I know a lot of people have issues with is, okay, you know, Sunday through Friday at lunch, crushed it, tracked everything, hitting it. You want to go out and cheat on the weekends. And it, like you, you worked for, I think a lot of people do that, like balance of maybe sure. a meal or two a week where they just kind of get to eat whatever they want. 
for you guys, and I know something with like my fitness pal or some of these other ones I've used, um, trying to track things like mixed drinks or food that's out at a restaurant. Do you have any suggestions? I mean, I mean, maybe your, your platform is going to help with some of that, but like, just curious on like how you guys are thinking about that kind of stuff. It's really hard. Um, there's no doubt about it. What I would say is, um, generally I'm not a big fan of the term cheat days. It gives sort of a naughty connotation. You're not cheating. You're not, you haven't yeah. done anything wrong. You're, 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 you're living your life and you're making decisions and, those, that's fine. Um, it, I think it, 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 it's inflammatory. I think it causes people to binge. They're like, I have to eat, you know, 7,000 calories a day because I'm going to be restricted the rest of the week. And like, again, yes. going back to like a diet is what you can do. The best diet for you is what you can do consistently over a long period of time. And if you feel this need to like binge and then purge and be restricted, like that's not a healthy lifestyle for you. So um, I, I would encourage people not to do that. I would encourage people to have days, depending on what your goals are, of course, but for most people that are sort of in maintenance to have days where you're allow yourself to enjoy, you know, perhaps a little bit more food or something like that. The multiple macro profiles on Omics is a good way for us to do that because what happens is we find that you know, people become sort of unhinged, uh, right? And they yeah. stop tracking and like, you're just, you've eaten, you know, double your calories per day, which sounds like a lot, but it's very, very easy to do, especially sure. if you move, if you're moving from nutrient dense foods to calorie dense foods. I mean, big food is making foods that are hyper palatable, addictive, hard to put down. And they're taunting you. I mean, there are potato chip companies whose literal mottos are like, I bet you can't eat just one. Yeah, right? Or right, like, right. you know, like once you pop, you can't stop. They're like daring you to eat more basically. And so yeah. what I would say is don't be hard on yourself. You're, you're, you're an adult. You get to make decisions. You can do what you want, you know, number one. Number two, try to focus on those days on eating whole foods. So if you want to eat more stuff, eat more chicken and broccoli and vegetables and, and have the chocolate and have the ice cream, whatever, but where you're going to quote unquote, let loose, let loose on the healthy stuff and ah. monitor the, the, the stuff that is, you know, more calorie dense than nutrient dense. And that's a good, that's me, a good advice. Yeah. It's psychological a lot to me too. Right. Like I feel like I was so restrictive for a long time. And, and, and so adherent to the rules. And then Thanksgiving came around and I was like, the most dangerous place in the world on Thanksgiving 2020 was between David Melman and food. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> move it. out of my way, like danger Will Robinson. That's hilarious. Um, and I got like, I got sick. Like I felt terrible. Like I just, my body was like, what are you doing to us? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think, it's all about putting yourself in good situations. Put yourself in situations where it's easy to make good decisions and avoid situations where it's easy to make bad decisions. And I don't necessarily even mean going out, go out, enjoy a night with friends, have some drinks, that's totally fine. I mean things like don't sit down on the couch with the tub of ice cream because it's really easy to eat the whole thing. I've done it many times, you know, yeah. or, yeah. you know, sit down on the couch with, you know, with your vegetables and all that stuff, but measure out how much ice cream and say, this is what I'm allowing myself to have. You know, you know what, if you get to that and you still want more, have a little bit more, but make yourself 
have a proactive decision as opposed to just mindlessly, we've all done it. You've got a show on the DVR. You sit down, there's three quarters of a pint of ice cream. You're like, oh, I'm just going to have a little bit. You get engrossed in the television show. The next thing you know, you're scraping. You're like, well, that's a weird sound for ice cream to make. It sounds like (laughs) cardboard, you know? And you're like, I ate the whole thing and I didn't even know. And you're putting yourself in a position to make bad decisions very easily. And what you should be doing is putting yourself in a position to make good decisions very easily. So that's what I would say, you know, just don't, don't beat yourself up, take a break. You don't, it's not going to be the end of the world. You're not going to gain 50 pounds because you, you know, you went out for a night with some friends and, and had pizza and beer and stuff like that. But what happens, the other thing, the last thing I'll say about cheat days is I think it makes general adherence very hard. And the reason why is because these hyper palliative hyper palliative foods, I'm sorry, hyper palatable foods are are addictive. And what happens is you eat a ton of them on Sunday, let's say that's your cheat day. It makes Monday that much harder. Yeah. You get back onto your quote unquote routine. And then you're like, eh, screw it. I'll try it on Tuesday and I'm going to eat more. And this is a great example of things that we want to show with this second brain thing. It's like on days that you eat X, Y, and Z, you're more likely to go over your calories the following day. And it's because those things are sending cues to your brain that you're still hungry because these food scientists at these big food companies are literally testing foods to make them the most addictive that they possibly can. So like, you are not an innocent bystander here. Like you are a victim of these companies. Like they are trying to sell you more food. Um, that's their job, you know, and, and they do test groups and stuff. And they literally will do focus groups around, try these five things and watch who goes back to get seconds on which one fastest. And like, that should be the one that they throw out, but that's the one that they end up selling, obviously. Right, because it sells more. So, oh, that's so true. Yeah. So it's, 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 you're not, you know, it's not your fault, but, you know, put yourself in a position to make good decisions easily. Got it. Love that. That that is super helpful, and I think a lot of people listening can resonate with that. And I know we're we're almost out of time. So one of the last questions I wanted to ask, I sure. think you you have a really cool response to this. I, I ask everyone that comes on here this question is, you're a really busy guy. You've been through Wall Street to starting your own. Really, it's a tech company. What um what tools do you use to get shit done? Are you a pen and paper kind of guy? Do you use apps? Um, what do yeah. you use to kind of organize your life and and accomplish your goals? I've, I've, it's a great question. And I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and, and trying different things. Um, I am an app guy. Um, first and foremost, I am uh, an avid user of something called Rome Research, which is uh, a, note, a note. Yeah, it's a note taking application. Um, it's got a great feature of what they call backlink. So it allows you to tag things. And then when you click on them, every mention of that shows up basically. So huh. when, you, when you're when you working on different stuff and you're like, cause you forget like a vast majority of the things that you ingest, right? Just cause Definitely. we're all busy and stuff like that. And so when you, it's amazing the first few times you tag something and you click on it and you're like, oh my God, I totally didn't even remember that I had taken a note on that or something like that. It's really wow. interesting. Um, I'm a big believer in um, schedules and productivity, like metrics. I, I was, I'm a big fan, um, of this sort of idea. There's, um, it's a philosophy called, um, being indistractable, um, which is obviously a, a 
you know, play on words on indestructible. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's a book by this guy near Eyal, um, And he talks about how to-do lists are sort of the downfall of productivity, which is sort of counterintuitive. But the reason is because it's very easy to just push something on to the next day or to get to the end of the day and be like, oh, I just d didn't do it, like whatever. Sure. Um, and so he suggests scheduling, as opposed to just making a, a to-do list for the day, actually scheduling time to do each thing on your to-do list. So don't write, do your taxes and go shopping and pick up your, well, pick up your kid. You kind of have to do it on a schedule, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Say from nine to 10, I'm doing my taxes from 11 to 12. I'm doing this from 11, you know, from 1230 to one, I'm doing this. And basically actually time blocking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's basically time blocking. And so that I think is really important. And then the last thing I would say is superhuman, the, the email I'm gonna check uh, that app. Out. Yeah. It's, it's made email, I get to inbox zero, it's really fast, it's like lightning fast. Um, and it allows you to basically make a decision, throw away forever, mark for later or respond to right now. It forces you to make a decision of one of those three things. And so you can either delete it, you can respond to it, or you can mark for later and you actually get to like one keystroke it, it brings up this menu and you can choose the day and the time that you want to remind oh, yourself wow. so you're always at inbox zero and i always have this phrase like it's made it so i can't hide from my inbox anymore right like love that when there are 50 emails in there i'm like yeah whatever it's sort of like the to-do list thing i'm like i'll get to it right yeah like, yeah you know um but when it's like there's just one email glaring you in the face and you're in handle you're like yeah. You're like out of my inbox, save it for later or do it now. And I it love really that. forces you to be productive. So I'm big on productivity because I have to be because, you know, just like everyone else, you know, we're all busy. Um, and I just think that we waste a lot of time. And I would say the last thing, um, this is probably the third last thing that I've said, but the, the last <laughs> thing is um, I was talking to someone um, about journaling, which I've tried to get into um, with mm, a modicum of success, but not a ton is... Um, nothing is as big of an obstacle or is going to take as long as you think it's going to in your head. And I just, I, I live by that phrase. Like there are so many days where I'm like, even in my email, I'm like, and eh, move it to later. And then I'm like, you know what? It's going to take just me 30 seconds. It. Just do it. Yeah. It's going to take you 30 seconds or you're going to stare at this thing. And it's going to pop up later and you're, and you're, and you're creating this momentum of pushing it off and procrastinating and stuff. So I've always tried to live by that thing. Like nothing is, as difficult or as time consuming as you make it out to be in your head, just do it now. I love that. I have, I have the, I use this thing called a full focus planner, um, which I think it helps to quite a degree for me. But the moral of my story was there's a part in there about personal tasks. And I, I tend to mm -hmm. like try to keep it really short and concise. But I, the other day, my wife was in my office and we were both talking. And I, I, I looked down and I realized there was something I do it once a week where I like move it to the next week and the things I didn't mm -hmm. get done or it's a, it's a chance for me to like, should I just take it off? Whatever. And one of these things I looked at, I'm like, I've literally had that on my list for a year, I think. And I went back and looked and I had, and I was like, you know what? I'm just doing it right now. And I did it to me 10 minutes. Exactly. I was like, that's been on my list for a year. How many times have I rewritten this? 52 times. And I could have just taken 10 minutes and done it a year ago. And I would have had and the it, thing and it would have been, you know, this whole thing. And it goes full circle because you asked me what the difference was between working and, and taking the time off. And that's exactly what happened. I, I had oh. that you know, that bunch of shirts that needed to go to the dry cleaner. And when I had a job where I was working, you know, like, you know, 12 hours a day, I only had this 15 minute slot to take my shirts in. So I had to do it. Sure. Now I'm like, 
does it matter if I do it tomorrow or the next day or the next day? And the next thing you know, 30 days have gone by and the shirts are still there or something 100%. like that. percent so, Yes. It all Same comes way. full circle. Yeah, yeah. You can like, oh, it's like paralysis analysis type thing. Um, yep, absolutely. Love it. But those are, those are really helpful. Uh, I know we're out of time. So the most important thing, though, I wanted to make sure we get is how can people follow you and how can sure. people follow Omics and learn more about Omics? Yeah, so um, omics.com, O-M-M-Y-X, um, is our website. We have a place to sign up for the beta. We also have a blog up now where we talk about important issues in health and wellness um, at Omix on Twitter at Omix underscore health on Instagram. Um, we, you know, reach out. We, this is a, like I said, this is a community. This is a movement. You know, this is, this is a moral obligation. We want people to be involved. We want to interact with you guys. Um, we want to learn from you. We want you to learn from us and we all want to help each other live longer, happier, healthier lives. Love that. Such a cool mantra. I'm excited. I will definitely want to get in and try this. I think I'm going to become a huge fan. I can already tell. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, David, thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to see what you guys do. Shane, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to chatting more and look forward to your feedback on the app. 100%, my friend. Love it.